Om. Lexio Sancti Evangelii secondo Marco. Jesus departed from there and came to his native place, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They said, where did this man get all this? What kind of wisdom has been given him? What mighty deeds are wrought by his hands? Is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary? and the brother of James, and Joses, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his native place, and among his own kin, and in his own house. So he was not able to perform any mighty deed there, apart from curing a few sick people by laying his hands on them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Verbum Domini Take a moment, please, and make sure your cell phone is turned off. Open your bulletin to page four. You've heard me mention it before. If someone arrived right now or later in the Holy Mass, stayed even to the final blessing, they would not fulfill their obligation to attend Holy Mass on Sunday. Why? What's that about? Well, the gospel, you just heard, the gospel is an essential part of the Holy Mass. You can't just skip it. But after this Mass, we still have one, two, three other Masses. They could attend one of those. You see there at the top of page four, the month of July is dedicated to the most precious blood of Jesus. The way June is dedicated to the most sacred heart, July is dedicated to the most precious blood. What, what fills the most sacred heart of Jesus? Well, the most precious blood. Friends, we, we see these in the context of this, the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. We don't honor in a special way, the big toe of Jesus or his little finger. No, the sacred heart and the most precious blood seen in the context of this, we see how much he loves us. Uh, we see the extent of his love. He loved us to the end. So these are things to meditate upon during this month. Uh, yesterday was the first Saturday. It was the feast of blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. He came from a very wealthy family, a young man, very athletic, energetic, a mountain climber. Um, and he died in his mid-twenties. How? Well, he died serving the poor in Italy. He would take what his parents gave him and give it to the poor and do without. Um, you ought to, if you don't know about him, you ought to look him up. Oh, wait a minute. I have the only book on him, so you can't read it. Oh, wait a minute. No, everybody can read it. Uh, everybody can look it up on the Internet, right? You see at the bottom of page four, tomorrow is the feast of St. Maria Goretti. 
She was 12 years old when she was killed by a man who was 19, Alessandro Signorelli. He had tried, he had tried this many times. He attacked her when she was 12 after her father died. Mom and the kids were outside and he, uh, he dragged her in and tried to attack her. What did she say? Well, she said the same thing she said every time he tried this. No, Alessandro, it is a sin. You will go to hell. Now, that was about 100 years ago. And guess what? That is still true. Um, because that's what he teaches. Yeah. The, um, the, he admitted that he killed her. And before she died, she died uh, just a day later, before she died, she forgave him. She said, I want him, I forgive him from my heart, and I desire that he be with me in heaven for all eternity. You know, the same thing you or I would say under the same circumstances, right? Right. Well, uh, years later, when he finally was released from jail, um, the um, St. Maria Goretti was uh, canonized in the, in, the, in the 1940s. The place was just filled with people, huge. And Alessandro was there. Uh, he had been converted by Maria, St. Maria Goretti, while he was still in prison. Amazing. Amazing. You see there at the bottom of page four, it says, On this day, 1535, by order of King Henry VIII, St. Thomas More was beheaded. That picture has been there. This is the third Sunday. Um, his feast day is June the 22nd. So it was then, that Sunday, last Sunday, and this Sunday. Why has it been there since June the 22nd? Well, June the 22nd is the feast of St. John Fisher and St. Thomas More. St. John Fisher was a bishop in Rochester, England, under King Henry VIII. And um, he was killed by Henry VIII. He was beheaded by his order on June the 22nd, and two weeks later, St. Thomas More. You're going to hear more about them later on. <coughs> Excuse me, a very famous artist, Hans Holbein, uh, made this painting. That's as close to a photograph as you're ever going to see from somebody who's painting Amazing. You see there on page five that Thursday is the feast of the, the martyrs of China. Do you know that people today don't know that Christians are being martyred in China because they're Christian? I, I've had examples of this recently where people have been telling their co-workers and their co-worker, really? Yeah. Where do they live? Under a rock? Uh, exactly. Then Saturday is the Feast of St. Benedict of Norcia. You see that on the cover of the bulletin. Uh, that, um, that's from the place where St. Benedict was born. He and his twin sister, St. Scholastica. So um, that's a, a new CD that they just put out. Um, <coughs> excuse me, page 7. Um, I'm going to put this in the bulletin again next Sunday. Why is this... Um, what is it? The first uh, half of the page talks about this. This is a lectionary. It contains readings from the Bible. And the way the Catholic Church has arranged it is that um, we take the Bible and we take, cut it into pieces, divide it into pieces. And so this day, one Bible reading, the next day. So it's all programmed. So over a period of years, we can read the, 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 the Gospels for Sunday. And over a period of two years, we can read the 
readings from the rest of the Bible during the weekdays. So I can't just do this. Okay, I'm just going to take this Mass when there's something else there that I have to. Um, If there's a feast day or a solemnity, I've got to use that one. Um, But there uh, there are great chunks of time in the year where another Mass can be substituted. Um, not last week, but the week before last, on Friday, the Supreme Court, a majority of the Supreme Court, handed down that redefinition of marriage. They just made stuff up, truly. And uh, so um, the Monday after that was the Feast of St. Peter and Paul. It was a solemnity. So you had to use the readings from the solemnity. Yeah, St. Peter and St. Paul were martyred in Rome, killed because they taught what he teaches. And it cost them everything. The next day, it wasn't a feast day. It wasn't a solemnity. It wasn't a saint's day. It was just a regular day in ordinary times. So the reading was set. It was from Genesis chapter 19. And it was uh, Lot, the nephew of Abraham, leaving Sodom. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah. It wasn't one that the Catholic Church just said, oh, put that one in there right now because of the Supreme Court. Uh Uh-uh. It was already there. It was there because it was programmed as part of the lectionary. Now, if you look down at the bottom, Monsignor Charles Pope of the Washington Archdiocese, he's been um, hosting a blog for years over there. Bishop Farrell came from that Archdiocese of Washington. So he knows Monsignor Pope. Um, Monsignor Pope wrote a blog post. There it is listed at the very bottom of page 7. A study of sloth in the life of Lot. Um, uh, God sent two angels to get Lot out of the city before it was destroyed. And when you read Genesis 19, your eyes fall out of your head. Because Lot is being told... The city is about to be destroyed. Run for your lives, you and your wife and your daughters. And this is this is the response from Lot. Yeah, yeah, I guess I need to kind of hurry. Yeah, um, how about we go to that town over there? The angel says, no, no, go to the hills, run. Don't go to the left or to the right. Run for your lives. And, and Lot saying, Oh, can we go over there instead? This is the sloth of Lot. Your lives are your lives are in danger. The angels had to take them by the hands and pull them out of the destruction of the city. Friends, do, do you not see the connection with what the Supreme Court said and what God says and how they're at odds? It's, doesn't it remind you of the first reading? God said. I'm sending you to these people who are rebels and they rebelled against me. Their ancestors revolted against me to this very day. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, next week I'll put the, uh, the uh, email address in there. I mean, sorry, the, uh, the link to it in the bulletin. Um, so uh, it was wonderful coincidence, isn't it? No, it's not a coincidence. Look on page uh, eight, please. Now, what you see there on page 8 says uh, August 1st is class number 1 for grades 1, 2, 3, and 4. August 8th is class number 1 for grades 5, 6, 7, 8, and above. 
Now, this has been in the bulletin every Sunday since the end of April. So that's April, May, June, and July is going to just go by that fast. August 1st will come and it, we'll, we'll start the classes. It never fails. It happens every year. The end of August, the end of September, the end of October, the end of November. People ask me this question. When does CCD start? And I say, back in August. And you know what the response is? I'm so mean. I'm a monster. Um, no, uh, we have to get, we have to start CCD. You know, our parents taught us about Goldilocks and the three bears. You know, this is too hard. This is too soft. This is too hot. This is too cold. This is too early. If I start at the end of November, that's too late. Um, it's going to happen every year. I don't care what happens. People say things like this. Well, I didn't see it in the bulletin. What? Am I invisible? I announced it uh, week after week going through the announcements. Oh, we were on vacation. No, I can guarantee you. Nobody named Rockefeller goes to church here. They're on vacation April, May, June, July, August. Uh, isn't that great? You can just take five months off. <laughs> Great. It must be nice to be incredibly wealthy. Uh, anyway, so please get help me get out the word. If you missed the first class, you can start, but in January of 2016. Well, that's too late. Again, you see what I mean? It's too early. That's too late. This is too hard. This is too soft. And it happens every year. So I started putting the thing in in April. Won't make any difference. Look on page 10. Uh, this is the month of the most precious blood of Jesus. This is a poem written that mentions the most precious blood. I see his blood upon the rose. This man, Joseph Mary Plunkett, he wrote this just hours before he was executed. Uh, he was a man who fought for the independence of Ireland. Yeah, Ireland. So um, it's a great, it'd be a great prayer after communion today or any time. And then below here is a prayer, an act of uh, reparation to the sacred heart of Jesus. When I sin, when you sin, your children, your grandchildren sin, uh, he's hurt, he's offended. I can make a reparation for my sins and the sins of others. So can you. This would be a great prayer to say after communion. Page 10. Page 11 and page 12 go together. But if you don't have time to read both, read page 12. Okay? It's the most current and then page 14, go to the very last page. Page 14 and page 13 are about his life. And this movie, A Man for All Seasons, is about the life of St. Thomas More. Tomorrow is the 480th anniversary of his execution by King Henry VIII. Um, the uh, uh, friends, you see quote one, quote two, then you turn over to page 13. It says quote two, that should be quote three. So look at quote one. Um, these things are as fresh today as they were uh, 480 years ago. He said, I think that when politicians, statesmen, think when politicians forsake their own private conscience for the sake of their public duties, they lead their country by a short route to chaos. Yeah. Well, we get it like this. We get it in, in this way. Well, personally, I'm against this or that. But, you know, I have to vote for this or that. that. That leads to chaos. 
That's what he said 480 years ago, and it's right. Look at the very last line. Um, the Duke of Norfolk was the friend of St. Thomas More. They're long-time friends. And so he's talking to his friend. He's trying to get St. Thomas More um, to agree with what King Henry VIII um, was doing. King Henry VIII was um, um, trying to get people to say that he could, he could divorce his wife and marry another one. And so the Duke of Norfolk says, look, I don't know if, if, if she's his wife. It really doesn't matter to me. But because we're friends, why don't you come with me and just sign it? And look what St. Thomas More said to him. He said, okay, so when we die and you are sent to heaven for doing your conscience and I'm sent to hell for not doing my conscience, will you come with me to hell for fellowship? Oh, we're friends. Come on to hell with me. Friends, that's one sentence. Uh, no, quote number one, one sentence. You can pay me later. The, uh, it's a great quote, isn't it? They re and they're just as fresh today as they were almost 500 years ago. Look on page 13. If you don't want to read this, you can go to YouTube. Everything's on YouTube. This clip is on YouTube. And um, his family is fighting him. This seems like he's always fighting his family. Um, his family is fighting him because there's a man at their home and he's obviously a politician who's rising in the ranks and they recognize it. So they say, hey, he's a bad man. Arrest him. And his dad said, no. Uh, he said, no, uh, arrest him. What's he done? Well, uh, he's bad. Arrest him because he's bad. <laughs> so it goes on like that. He says, well, uh, there's no law against being bad. Well, there's God's law. He said, well, then God can arrest him. Isn't this great? It really is. Um, so um, the, 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 the guy who's going to be his future son-in-law says, yeah, I'd cut down every law just to get to the devil. And St. Thomas More says, oh, really? And when the last law was cut down and the devil turned around on you, where would you hide? The laws now all being flat. This country is planted thick with laws from coast to coast. The laws of man, not the laws of God, and if you cut them down, and you're just the man to do that, if you cut them down, do you really think you can stand up in the, in the winds that would blow then? I give, I'd give the devil the benefit of the law for my own safety's sake. Friends, last week I heard something. Um, I, you have to read the news. If not, you don't know what's going on. Um, and you can't get it from newspapers or the TV. Yeah, they're just useless. 90, 99% of them are, right? Um, I heard last week China, uh, Vietnam, and Cuba, three communist countries, they have a law in their countries that if somebody is in our country and they break the law here, a felony, for example, some big crime, and they're thrown in jail, after they do their time, we send them back to China or Vietnam or Cuba. They say, no, nope, we're not taking them. So what does the law in our country say? We have to let them go. What does that mean? It means they let them out into the general population. Some of these are sex offenders. And um, are they being tracked? No. See, friends, I'm asking you to write your congressmen, your senators, and say this is a bad law. We need to do something about it. Um, because it, uh, um, here's an example of how we have such faith in laws uh, so many men and women who are politicians in our country, they say things like, well, I don't like this law, so I'm not going to enforce it. 
they, uh, they put their hand on the Bible when, and take an oath to uphold these laws and they don't do it. And what do we do? We keep reelecting these men and women. Have I mentioned Republican or Democrat? Nope. Nope. But obviously, I'm a hater and I'm mean. Why? What have I said? Exactly. Exactly the point. The, uh, no, it's so tedious. But uh, I, just, I just learned that fact about uh, the, uh, the ones who have... I'm sure there are other countries besides China, Vietnam, and Cuba. But those three countries, we can't, um, we can't send it back. And so why, why should we trade with them? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. I think that's everything. From the gospel today, they said, is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended by Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. Now, the last two Sundays have mentioned the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, two weeks ago, he said, let's get into the boat, let's cross to the other side. Then last week, they were on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. This week, it says, they departed from there and came to, his, to the native place of Jesus, where he was born and raised, right? So, the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, have you ever looked at a map of Israel? It's not a sea. That's a lake. The Hebrews had one word to describe any large body of water. It was a sea. The Mediterranean Sea, we, we know is a sea, but the, the Sea of Galilee, that's a lake. If we used this here or in Texas, over there is the Sea of Tawakini. Over there is the Sea of Ray Hubbard. Over there is the Sea of Levon, right? The, uh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm the only one who knows this information. No one else has this secret it's not secret. It's, you study the Hebrew language, you find this out. There's another secret in the Hebrew language that is no secret. They had no word that meant just me and my mother's other children, my brothers and sisters. No, their word meant me and my brothers and sisters and my cousins, and my second cousins, my aunts and uncles, and even those families that we take into our family. They call them brothers and sisters. But I'm the only one who knows this because I am just so intelligent. Uh-uh. That's not, neither of those is true. But isn't it amazing? Oh, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Sister, right there. Right there. Right there. No, it doesn't say that. Uh, I guess his... I guess his brothers and sisters live near the Sea of Galilee, huh? That big lake. Yeah, that's what it was, a big lake. Is it big as Cedar Creek? No. It's a big lake, but it wasn't, wasn't a sea. So friends, um, Jesus goes to his own relatives and he teaches them and preaches to them and they're offended. They're offended by what Jesus says and teaches. It's so different, isn't it, from today? 
You know, nobody is ever offended by what Jesus teaches and preaches today through his Catholic Church. Nobody. Well, I don't go Exactly. Um, the, um, uh, isn't it interesting? The, um, uh, G- the, the last line of this gospel says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. The last two Sundays, um, Jesus has talked about the lack of faith of the disciples and the lack of faith of those people who are near that little girl who had died. So here again, Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. Now his relatives, they're not amazed at Jesus at all. Zero amazed. Zero amazed. Oh, they've, they've seen him. Um, they've seen him work miracles. Uh, here it says signs. That's a miracle. Uh, Jesus has worked miracles. He has preached and taught. And they blow him off. They don't care. They're, they're not amazed at him. He is amazed at their lack of faith. Um, the uh, St. Thomas More, who was, who was beheaded by order of King Henry VIII 480 years ago tomorrow, this was in civilized England. Again and again in the life of St. Thomas More, men, men of England, they're, they're talking to each other and someone raises alarm. And the other one says, well, don't worry. This isn't Spain, that uncivilized country, Spain. This isn't Spain. This is England. We're civilized here, right? It's, it's, it's a theme that pops up again and again. But you, what you find out are that you, what you find out is that people recognize there's no more, there's no more law in England. Whatever the king wants, that's what he's going to get. Now, King Henry VIII, when he was, he was born around 1500. Let's just say 1500. So when he was a little boy, his father was killed in one of the civil wars in England. You see, they were trying to, the, the big families in England were trying to figure out who was going to be the leader of England. And the Tudor family uh, won. But in the, in the civil wars, the War of the Roses, um, Henry's father was killed. So his grandmother, Queen Anne, she came up to, um, to the smartest man in all of Europe, Bishop John Fisher of Rochester, and said, please, he's now an orphan. Would you oversee his education? Great. Just what I want to do as a bishop, right? Educate a young man who's probably going to fight me the whole way, Right. He, he, he gave him an excellent education and made sure he had excellent teachers, too. So um, later on, uh, later on, Henry is not king. His brother Arthur is. Arthur dies. He had just married a woman from Spain, Catherine. And they had no children. But they, he married Catherine partly because he wanted to make an, an, an alliance between England and Spain. Uh, in Spain was very wealthy because of the discovery of the Americas, right? So we'll just make a deal. We'll just make a marriage between England and Spain, and that's going to really help us. Arthur died. That meant she was a widow, so people might follow her rather than the new king. So what did Henry think of? He said, know what I'll do? To avoid another civil war, I'll marry my brother's widow. So what did he do? He asked the Pope for permission. The Pope gave the permission. 
And then later on, Henry said, no, I shouldn't have done that. And he wanted to divorce her and marry another woman, Anne Boleyn. So um, uh, this was tearing England apart the way so many things in our country are tearing us apart because we're not following our laws and we're not following God's laws. Uh, so um, what does uh, St. John Fisher do? Now he's an older man. Does he, does he let Henry VIII just uh, get a pass? No, he preaches out against it. In fact, at the time, people compared St. John Fisher with St. John the Baptist. Remember how St. John the Baptist died? Right. He, he cut himself shaving. Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't it. Uh, King Herod had his head cut off. Why? Because King Herod saw his brother, had a beautiful wife, and said, I want her. And he, he, she divorced him and married the brother. St. John the Baptist said, it's not right for you to do that. And so what happened to St. John the Baptist? They cut off his head. 1,500 years later, St. John Fisher is saying the same thing. And what did Henry VIII do? Uh, because he was speaking out against the king. Now, here is the reason. He was speaking out against the king. Now, two weeks after St. John Fisher was killed, he was killed in the same way. They cut off his head. There's a big difference, however. He was a father. He was a husband, a father, a lawyer, a judge, a very intelligent man, very powerful statesman. But on the matter of the king and his divorce and remarriage, guess what he said? Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Not a word. The only one he would talk to about it was King Henry VIII in private. So he never wrote about it. He never spoke about it. Zero. The exact opposite of St. John Fisher. Remember the reason he got executed? Well, he was talking in public about this. And what did he do? Zero. And he met the same fate. This is too much. This is too little. This is too hot. This is too cold. This is exactly right. In, in, the, um, in the Man for All Seasons, the movie, and you've got to see the movie. You can see it for free um, on Gloria.tv. In the, in, the, in the life of St. Thomas More, his family was fighting him. They didn't want to see him um, lose his position. He was the second most powerful man in all of England, like being vice president, right? Um, so uh, there's a, now he, he resigns his position um, because he sees how things are going. When you can put St. John Fisher in jail and, and kill him, well, they're going to come after me pretty soon. So he resigns. That means no more paycheck. Excuse me. So his family is going to have to make some changes. So his wife complained. She said, you know, I'm going to have to really uh, tighten our belt around here. And I, you never told me what you think about the king in the matter of his marriage and divorce. So St. Thomas More gets a Bible. And he says, put your hand on the Bible. Raise your other hand. Let's pretend we're in court. And the king's, the king's lawyer says to you, um, in peril of your immortal soul. In other words, if you don't tell the truth, you're going to hell. Um, 
Has your, has your husband ever spoken to you about the matter of the king's divorce and remarriage? And what does she do? She pulls her hand away like it's on a hot stove. Yeah. He didn't say a word and they cut off his head. Why? Because there was no more law in civilized England. What there was, was chaos. Friends, I don't know if you heard, but last week in Oklahoma, which is nowhere near England, last week in Oklahoma, they found on the state grounds, the capital of Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City, they found the marble statue of the Ten Commandments to be <gasps> offensive. And they must be removed. Uh, am I making this up? Right? Do you know that... Um, when those are removed, you know what's going to go on the on the Capitol grounds of in in Oklahoma City. It's a, a marble statue of the devil. I'm not I'm not kidding. You don't kid about these things. It's a it's a marble statue of the devil, and he's got one arm around a boy and a girl. Don't you just love America? I do, and that's why I'm fighting for law in America. Um, Friends, the, uh, uh, the Lord himself is talking to his family today. I'm a member of his family. If you're baptized, you're a member of his family. You're a brother or a sister. And those are the only two options. You're a brother or sister of Jesus. Right? And how many times have you heard it said when you talk about what he teaches... Well, I just disagree with that. I'm offended. Way back when I was a kid, kids, I know it's going to sound like a joke, but kids used to play outside. Kids used to go outside. They would play outside. There were playgrounds, and kids were actually on them. Now, kids are in front of the TV or the computer or the telephone, whatever. You know, they don't play outside. When I was a kid, if we were playing outside in the playground, kids will say mean things to other kids. You're mean. You're a hater. You try to talk about what he teaches, you're a mean. You're a hater. Is this an intelligent way to have a conversation? No. Wait a minute. This is what he teaches about this or that. And there are many things that he teaches about that people find offensive. It's not just marriage and divorce. Uh, so many other things. Well, that's just what you believe. That's just your interpretation. Uh, you're a hater, you're mean. Uh, and this breeds order or chaos? It's obvious. It breeds chaos. So friends, uh, Jesus' law today, his teachings, are just as valid as they were 2,000 years ago. And they can offend anyone. They can offend people in my family. I've got members of my family who are no longer Catholic. See? See? See what? Um, yeah, they find the teachings of Christ offensive. Uh, I have why well, I said they, she, um, my brother. No, just kidding. It's kind of gave it away. It's my sister, right? Um, she finds the teachings of Christ um, offensive. We went through the same schools, Catholic schools, 12 years. She's no longer Catholic. She's still Christian, but she's not a Catholic Christian. Friends, uh, this happens. When you talk to your co-workers, perfect strangers, they are going to be offended. They were the, the own family, His own family was offended by what he taught, by his miracles. They were, 
They were offended by his very being. Sounds like today. Who are you to tell me what I should do, this or that? Um, like the example I gave you about the, uh, the uh, felons from China, Vietnam, and Cuba. I'm offended by that. Um, but we don't have politicians. We don't have politicians I can look up to. Uh, in my lifetime, I, I follow politics. There are men and women, Republicans and Democrats, that I admire. And there are men and women in those two parties. I, I wouldn't walk across the street to shake their hands, man or woman. When they say and or the, I disagree with them on principle. Because everything that they've done for too long has been against the law. Well, you're just a, what, partisan? Because I'm against men and women, Republicans and Democrats. I'm partisan. It doesn't make any sense. Obviously, I'm a hater. Obviously, I'm mean. Uh, this is what we're reduced to. We can't talk about anything. All we can say is yes or no. And if you, if you have the wrong answer, well, um, you're going to suffer and perhaps lose your life. This is what happened in civilized England. This is what will happen in this country, too. Um, yesterday was um, American Independence Day when, um, when they had established the, uh, the country. Uh, someone, uh, some woman asked um, Benjamin Franklin what they had finally settled on. And he said, we've given you a republic and it's yours to hold on to. Uh, that's what it's going to take for me and you to hold on to um, the, uh, the teachings of Christ, even when members of our own family and friends think we're crazy, mean, or haters. Um, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Um, that was then, and he's still amazed at my lack of faith, your lack of faith, when we don't listen to his teachings. Things will get better. Or things will get worse. But things will not stay the same. I'm guaranteed of that. Um, is he not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended by Jesus. Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. In the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit.